Today's scripture is Romans chapter 8, verses 9 through 13. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ, Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Thank you, Liz. Well, uh, hello, everyone. Good morning. My name is Dave. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Tucson, and I'm, I'm so glad you're here to, uh, to worship and to celebrate alongside us here this morning. A couple things out of the gates. Um, uh, as I mentioned, my name is Dave. I want to let you know I have a stutter, and that will come in and out um, as I go along, as I preach. So I want to make sure that you all know what that is, and you're not kind of confused or trying to figure that, that out um, as I go. I also, uh, as was said earlier, it is um, youth. Uh, uh, we have a youth bake sale. We're excited for that. And um, yes, so again, a lot of people, many of you who don't have youth, uh, still baked some baked goods and things. And um, so a bunch of the youth here made a bunch of stuff and some of their parents and family. So uh, we're excited for that to see um, how God blesses uh, us and our Tummies to be a blessing. So um, we can say tummies, right? We got. Um, also, uh, as you notice, I'll explain kind of what I got going on here. Um, this shirt, it's Baptism uh, Sunday. We're excited. Some people are getting, getting baptized. Yes. And so we are so excited about that. And, um, and, and, and one of the um, people getting baptized, one of our, our youth, Mercy, is a good friend of ours. Some of you heard from her a couple of weeks ago. And um, Mercy and her family are Marshallese. Uh, her, her dad, um, Shem, uh, born and raised in the Marshall Islands. And, um, and as a gift to us, uh, to me, uh, my wife's also sporting some, some um, sweet earrings, but they gave me this incredible uh, necktie. And so uh, in honor of Mercy getting baptized, and, and, uh, and I just had a great excuse to wear this. So it's cool. It's handmade. It's amazing. So that's what we have um, going on up here. So uh, as we continue our series through the book of Romans, in Romans chapter 8, um, we're uh, again excited to, to look at this together. So I want to invite and ask you to, um, to go ahead and turn with me to Romans 8. And if you would like a Bible uh, to follow along with, which we would encourage, and you don't have one, uh, will you hold your hand up and keep it up and we will get you one. We have some ushers coming up and down the aisles here who would love to get you a Bible. Y en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levante su mano y diga español. Y si no tiene una 
Biblia, um, eso es un regalito a usted. Um, so again, this is our gift to you. Uh, I, I do want to point out that my R just rolled really well right there. That's usually not the case, but the stutter helped in that, in that moment. So you never know what's going to happen. Um, so again, this is our gift to you. Um, will you go ahead and pray with me? Uh, I just had some coffee, so Lord knows I need that. Oh, we need a Bible here still? We got a hand up here. Thank you. I just saw, and I know this, that cute hand, it's my daughter. So uh, over here, we need one. So anyone else, you can keep your hand up. Uh, I will close my eyes as we pray, but our ushers won't. So you can keep your hand up if you need a Bible. Uh, we say here we have nothing to prove, nobody to impress. So uh, let's go before our good and gracious God together. Lord, thank you. Um, Jesus, as we've sung, and, and now we get to hear and see, um, there is life in you. And I, I know that we are all looking for life, that, that, that every human walking the face of the earth is looking for life. And um, I pray that you will help us to understand, even this morning, um, how life is found, eternal life and life in the full, as it's meant to be lived and experienced, is found in you and in you alone, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen. What if I told you I found the fountain of life, the fountain of youth that's sometimes referred to, right? You might question the gray hairs on my beard and say, I don't believe you. But uh, what if I told you I have found the fountain of life? People have been looking for it since the fourth century. Alex the Great is most likely, uh, he was looking for this fountain that would enable or empower one to live forever. And then probably you've heard the name Ponce de Leon, the explorer, as is, is many people think he found or claimed to have found or was searching for this fountain of life, this fountain of youth where if you drank of it, you would live forever. And maybe some of you are too young. Maybe you know of another great explorer, John B. from uh, Outer Banks, okay? We have some Outer Banks fans. Maybe some even younger don't know that, but you know Dora the Explorer, right? Also searching for these lost cities, city of gold, fountain of youth. Well, I have some bad news. Uh, it doesn't exist. Uh, and if it does, we don't have the power or the wisdom or the effort um, to find it. In fact, we are stuck in, because of our humanity. If you're a human, which is everyone in this room, um, we are actually uh, in, in bondage to, to the reality of death. Right? You're like, I thought this was a celebration. Why? Like, buzzkill. Can you get back down and bring the, the musicians back up? But good news isn't good news unless it's answering bad news. And the bad news we need to sit in and face is the reality that in and of ourselves, death is real. It's hit some of us close to home, and it, even if subconsciously, it's in the back of our minds. And again, I would say we're all looking for life. We're looking for a way to prolong life, 
right, to eat health, healthier or do whatever, exercise more, do whatever it is that's going to stretch this life out as long as we can. And if maybe we've given up on that venture, we're also at least looking to live life to the fullest. Well, Romans chapter 8, the whole Bible, but specifically Romans chapter 8, uh, tells us that life is only found in the Spirit, the Spirit of God. In fact, verse 11, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, could be referred to as the fountain of life. But it also tells us that this thing called the flesh, which we'll press into and look into, actually is death and leads to death. So as we walk through our time together this morning through five really packed verses, I want to give us a heads up, give us some kind of handlebars, if you will, to track along and to follow along with. So this is what we'll see here. The big idea this morning up here on the screen is that, is that uh, those who belong to Jesus are set free to serve him powerfully. And you'll see there we ha- we'll see kind of a, a choice or a contrast, flesh or spirit, weak or powerful, slave or slave. We'll get to that in a moment. So uh, let's pick up together in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. Again, as has been said, this is the word of the Lord. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So if you haven't been here with us for the last few weeks um, and you pay attention in English class, then you ask that question, however, what, what was said before it? I still don't know what a conjunction is exactly, but that might be one, um, right? I got lost in the song, Conjunction, Junction, What's Your Function? I, uh, either way, I know that when therefore or something along those lines or however shows up, you should ask, well, what came before it? Good question. Verse 8, right before it, says this, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are in the flesh can't please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. So a couple of questions. Uh, First, what does that mean? Right? What's all this flesh and spirit talk? And then... More personally, for each of us, I'm asking you to consider this yourself. Are you in the spirit or in the flesh? Which is true of your life? So what does that mean? Um, In the flesh basically means your, your nature, your desires, and your will is ultimate. That's what controls and defines your life. So this language of flesh isn't just you can pinch yourself or your neighbor, right? We think of flesh. It is is flesh, and that is used, but it's more than that. It's, it's, again, it's a nature and identity. It's, It's who you are, and it's saying, what drives you? Is it your desire, your will, your effort, your purposes, your plans? If so, then that's the flesh, and you are in the flesh. But if the Spirit of God dwells in you, 
then you have life and you are driven, compelled, shaped, informed, directed, and guided and empowered by God's spirit. So again, let's pause there. Well, how do you know which, which one, right? This flesh and spirit talk. Well, let me quickly walk through the whole, uh, the whole story of the Bible, okay? We don't, we don't have anywhere to go, right? I know there's a fight in a little bit at 1230, um, Torrance Wade and Keith McMillan, one of our, they're going to fight later. Um, actually, not them, but their teams. The lifelong Golden State Warriors fan and lifelong um, Sacramento Kings fan, which some of us forgot were even in the league until this year. But hey, we are, it, most, many people are cheering for them. But anyway, right, so we got that coming up at 1230 and a lot of stuff going on before that. So, okay, here it is though. The Bible, if you're wondering what is the Bible all about, it's the story of God. It's the true story of the entire world. And it begins with God the creator making everything to reflect his goodness, his glory, his beauty, his power. Every insect, every sunset, every star, all of it, God said, let there be and there was. And he said it was good. And then as kind of the height of God's creation, he created you and me and us, humans, in his image to reflect him, not just our looks, our appearance, but our will, our ability to, to create, to bake. You made baked goods. That somehow, whether we know it or not, reflects God the creator. He is creative. He's given us ingredients to reflect who he is. And so we bake and we build and we create and we sing and all these things reflect God. We're engineers, all these things. It's good. But early on in Genesis chapter three, so the third chapter of the whole Bible is referred to as the rebellion or the fall where we said, no, God, we don't want you to be God. We don't want our identity and our purpose to be driven by who you are and what you say is good and right for us and for each other. But we want to do it our way, and we rebel. And that's sin. In a nutshell, is, 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 is warfare on God, is not trusting God, is saying, not your way, my way, or our way. But God being good and kind, and because we and all of our world belong to him, God didn't leave us there, but he said, I'm going to step in and take care of this. You are now driven by what? Your flesh. You, what you think is best, what you think is right, is, is now driving you individually and corporately, and it's getting you nowhere. It's actually bringing such harm. You're hurting each other. You're hurting yourselves. You're unreconciled from your loving creator. And, and you are actually now enslaved to death. But, and so God himself, Jesus, takes on human flesh and comes and lives in this world that we have so messed up. He lives among us as one of us perfectly as we were created to live. And then he offered himself on the cross and he died in order to put death to death, 
to deal with the result of our rebellion once and for all. Jesus gave up his own life and then he rose victoriously from the dead and, and he said, now, now come to me and, and put your faith in me. Faith means like trust, a transfer of trust. Stop trusting in yourself and in your own power and your own effort and your own will and in turn trust, Jesus says, in who I am and what I have done for you to win you back into, into life. Amen. And then he says that the final day that we look forward to is when all things will be made new, when, 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 when weeping and, 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 and struggle and conflict will be no more. So right now, we live in this in-between, this now and not yet, that if you put your faith in Jesus, you transfer your trust from self to him, you now have life. And he says he sends his spirit to live in you. And this language, we actually talked about it in our small group, our redemption community, that this language of use of being in Christ and also of Christ being in you. So what does that mean? It means that if you have put your faith and trust, you now come under his covering. That when we all will stand before God one day, and, and we will be ju judged that those who have placed their trust in Jesus um, are now in Christ. He, he, he covers, he protects, uh, he, he, he defends. He says, no, who I am and what I have done defines this person, not their flesh, not their will, not their lives, but my life and death and victorious resurrection. That's what it means to be in Christ. But then what does it mean to have Christ in you? Well, Jesus said it was even better that he would leave when he ascended to the right hand to God, of God the Father and said, I'll be back. And he said, I will come, but it's better for you. Some of you picked that up, right? Arnie, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But he said, I, I will be back. He said it before Arnie, okay? Jesus um, is the true t -t -t Terminator. And, and, and he said, um, I will come back, but it's better that I go because I'm going to send my spirit. I, I won't just protect you from outside, but from within, I will change your heart. I will change your desires. I will solidify and remind you of your identity and your purpose as a rescued or saved or redeemed image bearer of God. That's what it means to have life. And this question is, who are you and whose are you? Are you relying on yourself? You're in the flesh. Do you belong to Jesus? Are you in the spirit? Those who belong to Jesus have unimaginable power. And now before we move on to verses 10 and 11, quickly, let me explain too. Uh, Seth, uh, who preached here last week, explained this. And I just want to make it clear. We could make this clear every week because we live in a culture, especially, and in a day and age that wants to kind of ride the fence. Some of us, some people are like, no, I'm staunchly here, I'm staunchly here. Well, let me say, as it relates to Jesus, there's no middle ground. There's in Christ this might scare some of us, but the language actually used is, um, or, or there's antichrist. There's in rebellion or child of God. There's 
rescued and set free or they're slave to death. There's in Christ or in the flesh. There's no middle ground according to Scripture. So let's continue and pick up here now in verse 10 together. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Okay, let me again just quickly explain a couple things here. There's, there are some um, heresies that, it, that basically means um, opposite of or in contradiction of God's truth. And there are some that the, the physical body doesn't matter. In fact, some would even say that it's evil and that there's nothing good about it. The only thing about a human being that matters is the spirit. I hate this phrase, but maybe it's good because I, we should hate this, this heresy, but it's that we are just spirits or souls in a flesh suit. I hate that phrase, All right? But in a, in, a, in a body, a sack of bones and meat, and it doesn't matter. And that actually goes back to um, Greek philosophy, even Platonic philosophy, which some people, I'm getting way off course here, but would actually use to justify evil, and would say, well, if I do things with my physical body or I harm someone else's body, it doesn't matter and I'm not accountable because it's all about the spirit. And, and the message of scripture is, no, you are in spirit and soul and in body. You are one. So again, this is one place specifically that we go to, that that heresy, that lie. Again, some of us, though, even live in that idea that, oh, one day we die and we'll be kind of zapped up, beat me up, Scotty, and we'll just be these kind of glowing orbs or something and floating around. That is not in the Bible at all. One day, Jesus will return and will establish the languages. Um, heaven and earth will become one. So there's a physical earth that is restored and made new, and there's a kingdom that Jesus actually rules over, and there are actually streets and trees and animals and people, embodied souls. Okay, that's what we look forward to. And he says, so again, that, that goes there. So hopefully this is clarifying some things. And in verse 11 says, so your physical body and your spirit, right? If you are in Christ, the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, hear me, look at me. If you belong to Jesus, that same spirit that raised him from the dead is in you. What power, what would it look like to live in light of the reality that the power of God, impressive as it is that said, let there be and there was, let there be light, let there be animals, let there be oceans, let there be earth, all of that power, but most impressively that raised Jesus from the dead who is alive right now, that spirit lives in you lives in those 
who belong to Jesus, who are in Christ, who have put their faith in him. And there is freedom and power in him. And then the message continues now in verse 12, that those who are in Christ are set free to be slaves. <laughs> what? Wait, is that a contradiction? We are all slaves to something. Okay, hear me, church. Did I stutter? Yes, I did, actually. But <laughs> the question is, who or what are you a slave to? Okay, I want us all to acknowledge that. We are all slaves to something. The question is, to who or to what? Okay, pick up with me now in verse 12. So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. Wait, just pause there for a moment. Debtors? I thought grace, I thought we're, we're saved, we're Christians, this word grace, I've heard that a lot, and I've even heard it said that grace is undeserved favor or kindness from God. So now, is this a contradiction? Do I owe God something? And some of us practically, functionally live our Christian lives like that. Like God is uh, said, okay, I'm going to make you a Christian. I'm going to accept you, but don't screw up. I'm watching. I'm shaking my finger at you. And once you skip up, you know, trip up, I'm going to zap you with lightning or I'm going to at the very least shake my head at you and disdain. And we've talked a lot, right? No, those who belong to Jesus, there's no condemnation. We can't, every week we preach through this, we can reemphasize that. The message is no condemnation. All right, I got an amen here, right? We are, we, are, we are set free from condemnation. So what does it mean to be a debtor? Well, a good way to understand Scripture, any part of Scripture, is by reading other Scripture. The best interpretation of God's Word is God's Word. So um, in Romans chapter 6, so a couple chapters before, Paul, he's been kind of building an argument throughout, like you're in a courtroom. He's been building a case, and this is what he says about this idea of being slaves. In chapter 6, verse 17, but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You're set free to become a slave of righteousness. Again, we're all led by something or someone. We're all enslaved to, we're all driven by, if that language is more helpful. Something defines us and steers us and orients us and drives us. Again, the question is, who or what? Is it, we all think we're in control, right? This is America. I'm, yeah, I have rights. I can do whatever I want. You can't tell me what to do. Lots of the world, this isn't as hard for, but we have this illusion, all right? I absolutely believe that freedom is a good thing, and I'm not anti that. I'm thankful that we are free and have so many freedoms, but the distortion is when we actually believe that we're ultimate and we're in control of everything, 
And in reality, right, that's when a couple weeks ago we talked about in Romans chapter 7, Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am. He's talking about the slavery he finds himself in, that the things I want to do, I don't do. He confesses, I actually don't have the power to control what I eat, what I say, what I spend my money on, what dictates my life. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, oh, I'm going to stop that. I'm never going to do it again. I'm going to be better next time. I'm going to try harder, do better. He says, no, the things I don't want to do, I inevitably end up doing. He's confessing. Hear me, church. I hope we can all join in this confession. I can't do it. I need help. I surrender. If you're newer to church, by the way, I, I grew up in a family, not a Christian family, so I'd see people holding their hands up or whatever, um, and I went to a really expressive church, by the way, when I first got involved, and, and you might be wondering, what does that mean? That one of the things that means is I surrender. I give up. I need help. I, in and of myself, can't do it. That's what confession means. Joel and Jenny walked us through confession and assurance of grace. We confess, I need help. And God's message is when we confess, there is indeed hope. In chapter 8, verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live you will live. That's a promise from God. If I make a promise to you, it, I'll try, but as, it doesn't mean much. This is God's word. He makes a promise. Jesus in Hebrews says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here he says, you will live. You will live. In a moment, we're going to celebrate baptisms and this is a gift, not just to those people being baptized, it is, but also to all of us, especially those who call themselves Christians, who, who, who would say, I, I, I have surrendered to Jesus and my life is in him, not in myself, not in the flesh, but in Christ, in the spirit, the spirit that now lives in me. Baptism is meant to be a life-shaping reality a reminder that through Jesus, if you are in Christ, if you belong to Jesus, okay, hear me, because this is important. The people that are baptized will hear, through faith in Jesus, you are now dead to sin and alive again to new life through faith in him. Those of you being baptized, don't worry. It's not going to take that long. You're not going to be underwater while that's being said, okay? But you'll be told that beforehand. But through faith in Jesus, remember you, remember who you are a child of God, and remember whose you are. you are. You are now dead to sin and raised again to new life through faith in him. When you sin, when you stumble, when you stray, remember that you have been set free. Church, what does it look like for us to put to death the uh, sin, right? Put the deeds of the body, put those to death, what does that practically look like? Let me give one illustration I heard years ago. It's, it's this. This is what it tends to look like. For those of us that, that know that struggle with sin, um, imagine like a ball and chain, right? Like you're, you're shackled. 
You are enslaved to sin. And, 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 and yet Jesus came and set you free and says, go and sin no more. I no longer condemn you. I've sent my spirit. You have been set free. My, my power now lives in you to live the life that you were created to live, right? And it's as though the shackles have been unlocked. But we uh, struggle. We struggle to trust him. Amen? Am I alone in that? We struggle to believe him, especially when times are hard and it doesn't. And so what we often do is we pick up the ball. We pick up the slavery that we've grown so used to and we think, oh, maybe I should do it myself. Maybe I should strong arm it. I should pull myself up by my bootstraps. I should make an empty, hollow promise that will inevitably fail and we, we, we carry on the slavery. And Jesus says, no, 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 put to death the deeds of the flesh, you've already been set free. Now live, live in freedom. So what does that practically look like? Right, great question. I have five points for us to walk through very quickly, just to, to kind of take if, yes, um, because we're Baptistic, um, we, it's a three-point sermon. If you grew up in a Baptist church, we got a three-point sermon. And because we're reformed, if you know it, we've got five points. So um, here we go. What does this look like? We've been in the classroom or the courtroom. As you know, it's important for us to now take it to the streets. Go from the courtroom to the living room. Practically, what does it look like to put the deeds of the flesh to death? First, recognize its danger. It's powerful. Sin deceives. Sin is, is, is tricky, right? Seth gave a great illustration. If you saw a scorpion going across your your floor, which thankfully we live in Midtown and those don't make their way in the middle of town. But for those of you who live on the outskirts, you know very well what I'm talking about. And you see that, I'm guessing you're going to kill it. Maybe some people like, I don't know, gather it up and take it out into the desert. I don't know. I don't want to know if that's you, right? Um, some of us, though, even I, I, I know someone who did this. There's a black widow in a, in a web, but it's seemingly out of, it's not going to really harm you. It's not going to mess with you. It's up there. I won't mess with it. It won't mess with me. It's kind of outside or in the garage. We'll just kind of weave it there but until you forget, right, or you're close to it and it bites you, and then all kinds of trouble starts. No, if you see something that can kill you or harm you, you kill it. Recognize sin's danger. We're tempted to call it cutesy things and to use language about sin that doesn't recognize just how dangerous it is. It'll ruin you. It'll ruin your life. It'll ruin your family. Call sin, sin. Secondly, recognize your love for sin. Confess. When we have this confession, sometimes it's not just what we have done, but acknowledge, God, I don't want to change in my heart. Help change my heart. I, I believe, but help me believe even more. Help me recognize that sin won't satisfy me. I'm struggling, God, to recognize that you actually do give life. Right now, my faith or Christianity just seems like a bunch of rules. It seems boring. Help me remember that, that, that coming under your covering 
is like uh, getting out from under a hailstorm and coming under the awning where you protect and you provide and you give life. This great quote I heard this week by Ray Ortland says this, we don't conquer our sins by heroic willpower. We confess our sins to death. Let, let me say it again. Like some of us, again, I, my story, my own journey of Christianity looked like this. When I was actually in high school, especially, some of you, this will, this will hit home. I was already a Christian. I'd gone to youth camp. People did the fake sale and made a way for me to go, and um, it was great, and I went and all these things, but then as I came down, I was in, in, in high school, and I moved from Arkansas where it was a lot easier to be a Christian, at least at the time. I moved out here to Tucson, and it was a struggle, and uh, let's just say on Friday night and Saturday night, the things I didn't want to do, I did. And then I would, I, would, I would say, God, I'm not going to do it anymore. I would use willpower. Oh, I'm going to do it better. I'd open my Bible and I'd read like half of it just to try to right, maybe earn God's forgiveness or something. And I'd be like, and then all week, I'm not going to do it again when the friends are all chipping in money and we're going to buy alcohol. We're going we're gonna to party. I'd be like, no, not me, not me. And then inevitably, the things I don't want to do, I'd end up doing. And it was a cycle and the message of living by the Spirit, of putting sin to death, is that it's not our heroic willpower. No matter how disciplined or determined you or I think we are, inevitably, ultimately, that will fail. We confess our sins, and God is faithful and just to forgive us. Amen. Number three, recognize your weakness. Ephesians chapter 2 says that we are dead in our trespasses. We're weak. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 3, right, we're told that the flesh, our effort, our willpower is weak. So God has done through the Spirit what we, our flesh, is weak and unable to do. Number four, recognize your power. Some of us get stuck in, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm weak, and oh, I'm so weak, and we, we, that is good, that's important, but when we do that, we come out on the other side, right? And remember the power you have. Verse 11, right, which said, if the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, will he not also give you life? We already talked about that. Remember the power of God in you. Hear me, you're not a victim, and you're not powerless. In and of yourself, you are. I am. We are. But through Christ who lives in us, we have life and victory and power. Amen? And then lastly, remember your victory. Because of what Jesus has done, no matter if we fail, he has already declared it is finished. The power of sin has been put to death, and because Jesus rose from the dead, he said, I am coming back, and you too will live forever, for all eternity, and that life begins now, right? Jesus just said in verse 13, as we heard, the message of God is, if you, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the body, you will live so churches, we now prepare to respond. We'll come forward, we'll take communion, we'll remember Jesus' body and blood. 
that gives us life. We'll celebrate baptisms. We'll have a, a visual picture and reminder that those who belong to Jesus are set free and empowered to serve him in all of life. Let's pray together. Again, Jesus, we need you. Um, we desperately need you. I pray that by your spirit, you help us understand even now. I hope and I pray that you help sink the, the, the bad news in, that by, by ourselves we're weak. Our, our efforts are futile. Where we look for life or no matter how long we try to prolong life, we will inevitably fail. But you give life. You are life, Jesus. You say you are the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through you. Lord, I pray that we will live into the reality of life in you, Jesus. Amen.